Well, hello there. I'm Tracy Resch Williams, business coach and consultant for Alaska Tracy. Businesses work with me that are seeking calmness, clarity, and prosperity. Using my vision mapping framework, I guide them on their journey to success. On this podcast, you can enjoy hearing inspirational stories of success, as well as business tips and tools that you can actually use. So thanks for joining in. And oh, please remember, click the subscribe button, invite your friends and leave a comment. Thank you. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Alaska Tracy podcast. We have a very special guest today. Her name is Carissa Carner. She has gone from therapist to the fearless speaker. She is a coach, a speaker coach. And I just met her the other day. And already I am super intrigued to share her backstory of how she has gotten to where she is in life, in business, and how she can help you to share your story with the world. Without further ado, let's give Carissa a warm welcome. Carissa, welcome to Alaska Tracy podcast. You're joining me here in Anchorage, Alaska, and you are in California, right? I am in California. I wish I was there with you. (laughs) I do too. I was just introducing you and saying that we had just met this week. And, and then before I hit record, we were talking about having a cup of coffee together. And I feel like God divinely puts people into my life to interview on this podcast that I get to connect with and grow with and they help my community. And already you're helping my community. You've connected to somebody in the uh, free women's success group on Facebook. And it was a person I was hoping you would connect with. I love that. Oh, I love that too. That was just such a wonderful welcome into your group when I joined to feel like immediately I became part of the community and there was a connection with somebody else. I just loved it. I love that. It's so wonderful. So we have lots to talk about and lots to share about Carissa. Um, I thank you so much for joining today and for sharing a little bit about your backstory, how you got to be the I'm going to mess it up here, the fearless speaker, coach, and yeah, where you came from. So if you could just share a little of your backstory, how you got to where you are today. Sure. I'd love to. It's, it's a long and winding road of how I got (laughs) here, but it really started when I was little, I was such a shy scared little girl. I was thinking too, after we talked the other day about how I just had a lifetime of hiding, a lifetime of hiding, being afraid to use my voice, being afraid to be seen. And now that I've come to the other side of that, I have such a passion for helping others to feel confident and comfortable, just being able to be themselves in the world. So as that shy little girl, I I was thinking about the story about how I was so good at dodgeball when I was little, because I, I imagined that I had this cloak of invisibility over me. 
And so I don't know if you've ever played dodgeball, but somebody has the yes. ball and they have to throw it at the other kid and they're supposed to hit them and you don't want to get hit. So I was so good at hiding that whoever had the ball just didn't ever really see me. And I would last oh. until the end. That's how good I was at being invisible. <laughs> it was my superpower. I could win dodgeball. But it also good at meant hide that- and seek too. I, oh, yes, I was so good at hide and seek. <laughs> no one ever found me. In fact, I remember playing once and I had to come out because I was like, it's been a really long time. <laughs> so I was this kid who was just so good at being invisible and not using my voice. And then I discovered acting. So around sixth grade, I discovered acting. And that was awesome because it was a way that I could be on stage and be a little bit bigger, be silly, even be louder. But the thing was, I was still in a way I was still hiding. I was hiding behind a character. I was hiding behind somebody else's words that I was saying. I really wasn't ever being myself. And then fast forward. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like, oh, when you're acting, you're so good at being seen. But in a way, it was just another way of hiding. And you grew up in the mountains. I did. I grew up in Yosemite. That was one of the ways I discovered acting was I was in sixth grade. I lived in Yosemite and I had this amazing teacher and she decided she told the class, we're going to do this play. And I thought, well, that sounds absolutely wonderful and also totally terrifying. (laughs) But I auditioned for the play and I think because I was the only one who went out for this particular role, I got cast. And Mrs. my teacher, her name was Mrs. Zierenberg. We called her Mrs. Z because, you know, it's a mouthful for kids. Mrs. Z, she pulled me aside. She said, Carissa, I'm so glad you're in this play, but you're so quiet that we can't hear anything you're saying. And because she knew I lived in Yosemite, I lived a little, little ways away from my school. She said, now I want you to breathe really deep and go out and say your lines to the trees as loud as you can. And so I did. I, in Yosemite, I went out, out of my house and I, I stood there with the trees and I said my lines as loud as I could. And, and because of her, I, I actually did learn how to speak loud enough on stage for people to hear me. And that was probably the first place in my life that I really ever felt like, oh, I can be loud and I can use my voice and it's okay. It was through her encouragement and her support and the support of the trees being there to listen to me. Did everything start to shift in your life when you learned that you had a voice? It did. That was really when I decided I wanted to be an actress and probably because it felt so good to finally have a way that felt safe enough that I could use my voice. And so I thought, this is great. I want to do this for my whole life. And I really, at that point, it's in sixth grade, started to pursue acting and decided this is, this is my dream. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to become an actress. And what did your family and friends think, or what advice did you get? Well, my, my parents both were very supportive and my mom was a professional storyteller as well as a librarian. What a professional storyteller. What back in the day was a professional storyteller? So she would go to schools and she would go to storytelling festivals and she would tell stories, usually stories like fables and 
old stories, stories from long ago. And she had this way of just crafting them into weaving them into these wonderful tales that were so captivating. That is so unique. Did she go on to write any books or anything? No, she didn't. She was also a school librarian. So she, she lent out stories in the form of books and she spoke stories as a professional storyteller. But yeah, my mom was like me in a lot of ways that she was good at using her voice in a way where she could hide behind the story. Mm-hmm. But she also, I think, was very shy about really letting her, her authentic self, her real self, her full self be seen. And I think we hear that a lot about celebrities. I have being very shy. Yeah. Being very timid. It seems like that is an oxymoron and it makes so much sense. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it's true too, for a lot of women, especially, but men too, who are entrepreneurs, who are professionals and who may be very, very good at what they do, but there's still that fear to really show up and let people see you being imperfect, being a bit messy, not always having it all together, being real. You should have seen me before I hit record. (laughs) Talk about real. I'm thinking one wrong move and this light behind my screen is going to fall and everything's going to just go. And and, and that's real. That's reality. I mean, it, it, yeah. And then putting on a, okay, welcome to Alaska Tracy podcast. It's, I think really important to share what really goes on in the background, what Absolutely. life stuff really happens. And so let's fast forward to, you were looking into getting into acting. What yeah. did you go to college? What? Yeah, I did. So I pursued acting. Uh, I went to I went to an undergraduate school and I got a theater degree and I continued to pursue acting for all through my 20s. And I I had a a role, I guess you could call it. I had a job working at the Natural History Museum. And I you know, as an actor you do all kinds of odd jobs. I tr- I puppeteered a adolescent triceratops a life-size adolescent triceratops puppet. So I crawled on the inside, you know, and I could blink the eyes and move the mouth and move it around. But it was this really intense physical job. I did a lot of really physical acting jobs and it ended up really damaging my body. And so I realized I gotta, I gotta do something else. You know, I, I may not be able to do this my whole life. And so I went back to school and I got my graduate degree to become a psychotherapist. And so I shifted careers at that point. And you had moved along the way to LA, right? I did. And you were doing acting in LA. I I was Mm -hmm. a lot of theater. I never was able to have any success in film and television. I think because, you know, even then, even though I had so much experience performing, I was just steeped in imposter syndrome and always felt not good enough. And so I didn't really know how to sell myself. I didn't know how to, how to connect and, and really get out into the world when I was off stage. Interesting. Yeah. What, 
what was going on for you to shift into psychotherapy? Yeah, that was, you know, I've been the person who always had people come and talk to them and tell them, oh, I'm going through this. When I would, when I was young and I'd go and do my laundry at the laundromat, inevitably every time somebody, a stranger would come up to me and start telling me their life story and all their problems. And I thought, hmm, you know, if I'm going to do something other than acting, this is probably the right career for me because I'm a good listener. I know how to be quiet. I know how to listen. I care about people. And so that's what I did. And interestingly, I mean, I love being a psychotherapist and I dedicated a lot of time and energy to that. And upon reflection, it was another way of me not really allowing myself to be seen because as a psychotherapist, it's all about the other person. You don't talk about yourself. You don't share about yourself. And so here I was pivoting into this other role that while in many ways, I loved it and still love it, but in other ways, I was still just hiding behind something to not really let my voice be heard, not allow my, to stay safe. To stay safe. Yeah. And what projected you pivoted you into becoming a speaking coach. What was it? What was that turning point for you? Well, a few years ago, I was invited to do a TEDx talk, which was such an awesome opportunity. And I was really confronted with, oh my gosh, I have to be me. I'm not playing a part when I stand on stage and do this talk. I'm going to be talking, I'm going to be speaking as myself and sharing my own ideas, my own thoughts and being the messy human that I am. And so I think that was a real shift point for me where I realized I need to get more comfortable with this. And so through my own journey, my own therapy, my own coaching, my own work, I really started doing that work of learning how to be okay with being imperfect, okay with being human and being seen in all of that. Interesting. Would you, well, we can talk later. I'm thinking it would be neat to hear your Ted talk and to, yeah, if you're comfortable with it to put the link for people to listen. Oh, sure. The name of the talk is called the art of being your own best friend. Oh, and nice. Yeah. It's really just about being kind to all parts of you. Wonderful. I will find that. Now I want to listen to that as well. You, you just have such a gentle, genuine voice. Even the other day when we met for the first, first time, I felt that draw to tell you things. I could feel myself going there. I'm like, hi, I can't believe I'm telling her this. I mean, I'm pretty much an open book anyways, but I, I felt this. Um connection, this warmness, this safeness with you. And, and then, so you did the Ted talk and then what happened for you? So I did the Ted talk and I really started to pursue or started to think about, Hmm, you know, I'd really like to move beyond just being one-on-one in the therapy room. Okay. Now I'm, I'm getting more comfortable with letting myself be seen. So how can I, how can I do this more for myself And then how can I help other people do this as well? 
And honestly, that imposter syndrome, you know, it can be so fierce. It took me a while to really believe, oh, hey, I actually do have the skills and the ability to help other people with public speaking, to help other people find their voice and speak with their voice confidently. So it was a little bit of a journey to get there. And I also really had some wonderful coaches that taught me things that I didn't know when I did my TEDx talk, taught me how to learn the skills and the formulas to tell stories, to craft a speech that can touch people's hearts, that can change people's lives, that really can move people in in a very effective way. And I also learned a lot of wonderful techniques for dealing with that fear of being seen, that fear of not just stage fright, but just the fear of visibility. And so learning all of that and taking that with my, my skills and my training as a psychotherapist is so wonderful to be able to weave together all the parts of me and share that to help other people. So they don't have to go through, hopefully all the pain that I've been through to get here. What a beautiful story, Carissa. Beautiful story. I, I, I'm like, I want to work with you. (laughs) Um, what would it look like for somebody to work with you? And I believe our, our audience is similar. Uh, I work with a lot of women in business and a lot of the women in my membership community, Visions to Profits Women's Membership, they are exactly what you talked about. They feel this imposter syndrome and they're playing with Facebook Live and YouTube and videos and and what would be a way that you would work with a client? So just like I would be in my therapy practice, I'm very client-centered. So the main things that I do are I help people with the fear and anxiety about showing up and speaking and using your voice. And then I help people to know what to say and how to say it most effectively. But back to being client-centered, it's really all about what are you needing? What are you looking for? So when I work with somebody one-on-one, they get to share with me what their goals are. And maybe it is more around doing videos, the fear of showing up and being seen, or maybe it's more, I don't really know what to say. I don't have as much fear about people seeing me, but I I don't know how to say what I want to say, or when I do, people don't really listen, or I'm doing these videos and people tell me they sound good, but then nothing happens. And so I can really help with the techniques of knowing how to structure what you say and the formulas for how to say it while being able to be yourself. Oh, that's wonderful. We were talking about the you syndrome. Is that what we were calling it? Mm-hmm. Is that what you focused? Yes. Yes. What? I know what it is. <laughs> uh-huh. What is well, maybe we could even, you could share example, an example. Sure. You, you were talking to me about how we, we both notice how so many people, especially when they, they don't have the training, it's so common to, to start speaking and say, I did this and I did that. And this happened to me. And I want you to know. And when you do that, it's all about you. It's all about yourself instead of it being about your audience. And 
my hunch is that is very rarely the intention of the person who's speaking. It's just that they don't know that there's another way, which is to be you focused, you meaning your audience, the other person you're speaking to. So it is so helpful and it helps to make a much deeper connection with your audience when you use the word you. It's as simple <laughs> as that. So instead of saying, I want to share with something with you today, you can say, I was thinking about you today and a story oh, came to mind. That then, shift is so powerful. You could feel it, huh? Oh, I love yeah. that. I'm copying that. I might do it right after this. And I was even thinking when, about you today. Yeah. And even when you tell a story about yourself, of course, you have to use the word I when you're talking about yourself, but to keep in mind and to keep orienting toward how does this story about me, how does it affect the people I'm talking to? And then asking reflective questions such as, you know, maybe if we take the story, the story I told about dodgeball that I might say, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt scared and unsure? What was that like for you? And then I'm taking my story, but I'm bringing the audience into the story with me and asking them to think about how it affects them. Such a different impact. Yeah. Because I tune out when I hear, I'm just here to tell you, <laughs> like, how do you know I care? <laughs> and, and I'm sure I've done it as well uh it it's i was i, I want to say to people when i hear them do how, how many times have you said i or me or my or yeah because every time you're probably losing somebody somebody's probably going away exactly i like to think about it too as having a dialogue even though your audience isn't talking back to you, especially if you're doing a video, you aren't really getting any response at all, but to, to think about creating that dialogue. So you're creating space for them to have thoughts to them, for them to have responses that you're bringing that connection into whatever it is you're talking about. And the pause and the pause. You're so good with the pauses. As a therapist, we have to get really good with silence. I think it helps. <laughs> <laughs> and as a coach, I'll never forget. Then be quiet. And there might be moments or minutes of silence. And that's okay. That's I remember the first few times being so uncomfortable. And, and then that's almost always where the magic happens. Mm. Yes. Yes. Sometimes we just need space for our brains to process, to think about. And when we're speaking, it happens so often that you can step over people's thoughts and people's laughs. And it's really important to give your audience that space to think about what you said, to ponder what you said, or to have a, if you say something funny for them to laugh and give, give them a chance for their voice to be heard, their laughter to be heard makes such a difference. Such great words of wisdom. What would one tip that you could give 
Well, actually, there's two things I, I would like you to, to share. Let's say somebody thinks that they're a pretty good speaker and they're they're realizing they're not getting a lot of views, they're not getting a lot of comments. What what would be a couple things that they might be missing? That that could be so simple. So simple. Well, one of the most simple things is to use that call to action. And you and I were talking about how important that is and how helpful that is. It's it, the same, you know, many of your, your listeners may know how important that call to action is when you're writing, when you're writing copy or you're writing a caption. And it's the same when you're speaking to use a call to action. It doesn't even have to be around a sale. It could just be a call to action that you want them to think about something differently, or you want them to imagine a different world, or maybe you want them to go to your website, or you want to invite them to work with you, whatever that is to add that call to action and invite them to do something. And then again, you're creating that dialogue. You're inviting them to engage with you. So you can, in a way, keep the conversation going. So call to action. I think a lot of people have a hard time with that. It goes back to that imposter syndrome. If I ask them to do something Mm. and like you said, it could be very simple. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with that imposter syndrome, it's also that sometimes we ask and people may not respond and that's okay. That's okay. Because, you know, sometimes we speak and people don't respond. Just talking about that dialogue that we may ask for somebody to do something and they don't want to, or they don't feel like it, or they don't have time, or they simply, their attention goes somewhere else. But if you don't ask, you're definitely not going to get it. And if you do ask, you're opening that door for the invitation for engagement, the invitation for connection. Right. An opportunity. Yes. An opportunity. Very good. And then a beginning and an end. You mentioned before I hit record something about when you're speaking, how important it is to have a beginning and an end. Can you share a little bit? Absolutely. The beginning and the end are two of the most important parts of any time you're speaking. Because in the beginning, I think it's something like the first 30 seconds, people decide if they're going to listen to you. And if you don't grab their attention with some kind of a hook or a bang in the beginning, you're likely going to lose them. Not because there's something wrong with you, but simply because people are busy and they don't have time and their brains have a lot going on in them. So, but if you grab their attention with a story, with a powerful quote, with a powerful statistic, with positive energy, you grab their attention and then you've got them and they're with you. So that's the first, that's the beginning. And then the ending that you want people to remember you. And so if you end in a powerful way, you end with that call to action and some other way that's not cliche, that's not, okay, I'm going to wrap up now, but (laughs) here's a And I've done that before. Oh. Oh, So have I, I mean, we all have, yeah, yes. And we don't have to be perfect. Sometimes it's okay to forget. You don't Uh, have to always remember to do this, but if you can, 
to, to just think about how do I want to end this in a way that's going to, to let whatever I had to say linger in the minds of my audience. And it might just be a quote, it might be a poem, it might be a few words, it might be a, a reminder to do something, it might be that call to action, but some way of just letting the conversation continue even after you're done speaking. Beautiful. So not an end to the book. That's right. An open chapter or an open onto the next chapter when we talk again. That's right. I love that. A sequel. Yeah. Right. I love that. I love that analogy. Yeah. Until the next chapter. Yeah. Until the next chapter. I like that. Uh-huh. Ah. <laughs> Do you, are you doing, Carissa, any group coaching or are you looking into that down the road? I am. So right now I'm offering packages of one-on-one -on -one coaching and I'm doing some pop-up workshops. So I have one coming up on storytelling. And nice. if your listeners, if that one's over by the time your listeners are hearing this, I just want to invite them to that. They're welcome to shoot me an email and I'll make sure they have access to that. Um, but I will be doing some group coaching later in the year. So right now I'm working on a program that is really addressing all of those things that I talked about. So addressing the stage fright, the anxiety, the imposter syndrome, as well as learning the very clear and specific skills of how to create that powerful beginning, how to create that powerful ending, how to make sure all of your main points in your speech, your presentation, your talk, your video are crafted in such a way that they're really going to land for your audience. It sounds delicious. <laughs> I hope so. Sign me up. <laughs> and people can find you at Carissa at fearlessspeak.com. And that's C-A-R-I-S-S-A. -S -S -A. That's it. And also you have a free uh, Facebook community. I do. People can join. I do. I have a wonderful Facebook group. It's called Fearless Speakers in Training. And it's a place for professionals and entrepreneurs to be in community and get comfortable with public speaking. And I offer tips and encouragement there on the regular. Nice. I love that. And I'll put all that in the show notes as well for those of you that are reading the show notes. Uh, last question, Carissa. How do you define success in your life? Mm. As I get older, I really define success as having a full life that I, I have a rich professional life where I feel like I'm giving something to the world that matters to me. And I have a, a wonderful relationship with my family and with myself. That and is those, beautiful. It's really, I, I'm really realizing the older I get, how important it is to make sure that I spend time in all of those aspects of my life. So that's how I would define success is all those areas being full and, and rich and getting my time and attention. Beautiful. What a beautiful soul you are. 
an honor and a privilege to interview oh. you and share you with my community. Oh, thank you, Tracy. I feel the same about you. I, I just, as soon as I met you, I just felt like, oh, I feel like we've known each other in another life. I know. I know. I, I feel that way too. I really do. And I hope that those that are listening uh, reach out to Carissa and connect with her about speaking, sharing your voice. Um, yes. So we'll put all that information in the show notes. And I thank everybody for listening to this episode of Alaska Tracy podcast. Remember to click the subscribe button, please, please, please and share with your friends. Go ahead and leave a comment until the next chapter. <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for joining in. And thank you again, Carissa, for being our guest today. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Take care, everyone.